It's time for the Full Out Cheer Podcast, brought to you by Dream Camps. Discussing all things cheerleading with some of the best industry influencers in the world. Welcome, welcome. This is Dan Cotton, and you are listening to the Full Out Cheer Podcast. I've been lucky enough to work with some of the best in the cheerleading industry over my years owning and operating Dream Camps. I realized I learned so much just sitting and listening to my staff talk that I wanted to share that experience with the rest of the cheerleading world. So I set out to sit down with my staff and do that. Just talk. So without further delay, let's get to it. It's uh, Dan Cotton here at Dream Camps, and I'm super excited about the opportunity to sit down with my good friend, Sean Guzman. I always say your last name wrong. Uh, was that right for the first time? For our American friends, it is Guzman, yeah. We I we say Guzman, like in the household, but it's Guzman, like for... Guzman? Guzman, yeah, okay. it's Cuban. You know, it's a Cuban okay. last name. I'll try to... Born and raised in Miami. I'll try to not mess that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, really excited. Uh, it's been such a joy to know you for the last four years, and I feel like I've learned so much. Um, so getting to sit down and just talk cheer and talk tumbling and stuff. Um, you know, very unstructured. I'm just going to kind of ask you to tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll just kind of go. Sounds good. Um, so obviously I know you a little bit, but, um, for the listeners who haven't met you, uh, if they haven't heard of you, I don't know what rock they live under, (laughs) but, uh, would you give us a little bit of a background, uh, where you're from? We know uh, Cuba. Already, yeah, but, yeah, I know. You know, like born and raised, born and raised in Miami. Um, been there my whole life. My family's born and raised there. Everyone's there. Uh, about 20 years ago, I started at the Top and All Stars. My sister used to cheer for an All Star program that practiced out of the facility that Top Gun practiced out of. Um, that was ran by one of Victor's best friends. So she cheered there for a year. And then my brother used to like go to the practices and kind of like stand in and just be a body. Yeah. And, uh, the coach found out, Hey, you can flip. He's like, yeah, I can flip. So one thing led to another and he became part of like the team. Uh, so my sister, my brother were in it. And then about the next year, uh, my brother kind of saw Top Gun large court practicing and he fell into it. My sister ended up being on the dance team that following year. So that's about 1999. And then they asked me, Hey, You've ever, you know, cheered, thought about cheering? And I used to go to the gym all the time and watch some practice and stuff, run up and down the tunnel track, and I was like the complete nuisance, like the typical gym rat, what you wanted to kick out of your gym, that was me. I was in there all the time, flipping. And uh, one of the guys that was going to coach the youth team was like, hey, do you want to flip? Do you want to cheer? I was like, sure. So that was it. I was uh, 99. I went to my first Top Gun practice. It was what was called Peewees back in the day. There was no real levels, okay. no intermediate, advanced, no one through seven. It was really just all girl, co-ed, you know, peewee, junior, senior, and that was it. Yeah. You know, hard floor, seven trips. And so how old were you then? Uh, I was about eight or nine years old. I had, so, no, I had no idea you started cheer that yeah, early. Yeah. So you really grew up in Top Gun. Yeah, I grew up in the sport. Just seeing the sport where it came from and uh, where it is now. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah. So uh, fast forward, you get a little older, and uh, you competed uh, with a, a number of teams at Top Gun, or was it all TGLC? No, I mean, I, I started as, like I said, I started as a youth athlete. So it was called Pee Wees, and I did uh, our junior co-ed team, our small co-ed team. I did a large co-ed team, our international team. And uh, uh, one year, I just... I hurt my knee uh, cheering, and then that was kind of like the end of my all-star career as far as an athlete. That was about 2012. I blew my knee out, tore my ACL, and medial lateral meniscus. Throwing skills I really shouldn't have been throwing. You know, back in the day, you really didn't know any better. Uh, And that was kind of when I went full force into coaching and uh, coaching tumbling. I would started doing privates at the age of like 14, 15. And then when I hurt my knee, I was about 20. And that's when I really took it. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do because I can't do it as an athlete. So right. might as well do it as a, as a coach. And I just fell in love with it. Just kept doing it. Stayed in the gym. And now you coached teams for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how long did you coach teams for? Uh, I coached teams for about 2007. I coached our youth one. It was at the time. It was uh, Top Gun Bullet White. 
and then uh, coached our senior two, our co-ed three, our co-ed four, and then I got the chance to start, or I guess bring back uh, the lead Jags in 2012 with my co-coach, uh, Greg Zoll. And I did that up until about 2017. Uh, in that time, I also coached our court four, helped out with our uh, international six team, which was Topkin 6-6. Six, six. Uh-huh. And uh, about three years ago, I took over the tumbling program and I kind of put coaching teams to the backseat. And I've been coaching tumbling ever since. So you coached a number of levels, it sounds like. Yeah. What was your favorite yeah. level to coach? It's hard. Uh, I think because of the the competitive nature and just seeing the commitment and the drive, the world's teams are always fun to coach. But kind of transitioning over into coaching just tumbling, I found that I really like coaching level two because that's kind of when they start to get that like fire in them. They see that the skills are like right there and they just start going and going and going and going and things start to click. It's also one of the hardest levels to master. So I really kind of like focusing on the things that take the longest for some reason. And it's, you know, but there's such genuine, but everything, everything. Such, such genuine joy in a level two yeah. kid. Yeah, like they definitely. get that back handspring. It's like the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And then you get to those world's kids and they like land their double and they're like, okay, but I don't have my whip double. So yeah. like, let's go. Not yeah. good enough. Yeah. Like they're always comparing themselves yeah. to that yeah. next. I need to fix step. this. I need to fix this. It's like, yeah. just do it. Just enjoy it. Have fun. How about that was a good job. Yeah. <laughs> like celebrate that victory. Learn, learn what you can do better. Okay, no, it wasn't perfect. Learn what you can do better and just, you know, apply it next time. And that's it. Just have fun doing it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so you transitioned from coaching teams to just yeah. pretty much focusing on tumbling. Yeah. Um, what was the impetus of that? Why, why did you decide to do that? Uh, tumbling was always something that I've uh, enjoyed as an athlete. I mean, I was a gym rat, so that's all I did every day. I got to the gym at three, tumbled, watched tumbling videos, made tumbling videos, you know, I tried to watch, you know, the best tumblers from around the U.S. and gymnastics and power tumbling. And just, I wanted to be in the gym. Um, it got to a point where I started falling out of the love of competitive cheer for the sole fact of just what I thought people were finding important. You know, they weren't kind of focusing on the progress. They were focusing more on, like, the one thing, the world title or the NCAA title or the hit routine, which is great. Those are great goals, but I wanted something that took a little bit longer and that was transcended more than just team that kind of needed a process that took years and years to develop, you know, which I, again, I I still love coaching teams. I still love going back and helping, but I want to kind of see athletes go from step, step to step, step throughout a course of a cheer career, not just a course of a, of a, of a season, you know? Right. Um, that totally, I mean, I get it. I feel like it'd be, it's less stressful to you. Yeah, it is. But the stress that I find is different because I feel that I have the stress of not necessarily the stress, but the, um, how do I call it? The responsibility of taking athlete and progressing them. Mm-hmm. So over the course of, you know, six months, a year, two years, three years, a cheer career, you see where they've started and where they got to not saying that that's like, what makes breaks as a coach, but that, that that weighs on you a bit. Like, are they learning things? You know, are they progressing? If they're not progressing, are they learning to do things better? So you have different stresses, I, I think, you know? Nice. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so um, you've been coaching tumbling all over the country. Yeah. Uh, you've had the opportunity to work with amazing people like Victor. Um, have there been any coaches, any people you've worked with that have really uh, inspired or guided the way that you approach the way you teach tumbling? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, everybody I think can motivate somebody or kind of affect someone in a way into molding them to being a different coach or a better coach, kind of picking and choosing something from everybody you learn or everybody you meet and something you learn from them and applying it kind of creates your own basis of coaching. You know, I, I, I don't think you need to reinvent the wheel, but I do think that you can always find how to make it better. So if you take what works and just tweak it and fine tune it, um, I, I have had the, I'm going to say the luck cause I've, it's just the luck of the draw where I ended up honestly being able to coach at Top Gun and being able to kind of sit down with Victor and just watch him coach all day. And he's somebody that takes information from everywhere, everywhere and applies it and changes it and evolves and tries to, you know, 
implement something every couple of years that he learns that works better than what we used to do. Right. Um, so I try to take something from everybody, you know, really, uh, even athletes will sometimes kind of teach you something or kind of make you think of something in a different way. So a bunch of people, you know, staples, you know, you have, you have your Victor, you have your Debbie, but you can go outside of the cheer world into the gymnastics world and just watching a lot of YouTube, YouTube videos, you know, right. based on gymnastics and just the athletes and the way they move and what works for them. You know, I try to take something from everybody. So, um, knowing all that, you know, which is a lot, um, what is the, what is the biggest issue you see tumbling cheerleading athletes encountering in their tumbling that uh, is something that coaches should potentially get more education on be better at training like what are some of the things that stand out to you as like we got to fix these things um i definitely think consistency is probably the biggest issue i i don't feel that we are consistent enough on the day-to-day in the sport to get to where we want them to be. And I think we are okay kind of with the bare minimum hour a week tumbling class or hour a week private when it comes to tumbling. You know, I don't think right. people realize that we're coming from a sport or we're kind of a branch of gymnastics. We're a branch of power tumbling in the sense of tumbling, mm-hmm. you know, not as the whole sport of cheerleading, but in the sense of tumbling itself. People have done it before us. So take what works from them. It's, it's, you know, hours of training a day. It's, six, seven days a week. Um, so I think definitely consistency is one of the first things. Um, I also think the, uh, not necessarily just the consistency, but the frequency. So I'd rather an athlete be in the gym, you know, for an hour, six days a week versus, you know, three hours, two days a week. I I would rather them be in the gym more often because being in the gym more often for less amount of time will actually, result in more hours of training towards the end of the season and they don't have as much pounding and um, rate of injury in my opinion I, I don't know actual statistical studies on this but if you think of them being in the gym for 45 minutes a day rather than for three hours you know for two days they're going to tend to not be as gassed and as tired allowing for more right. quality repetitions and a lot more um, focus and less just sporadic work you know i feel that if you're in the gym for 45 minutes you tend to be a little bit more diligent because you know you only have a certain amount of time right you know um one of the things i found interesting the conversation we we had last year um was your views on how much athletes should actually be training on performing their skills on the spring floor um and i just thought I, i i thought you articulated it really well um in terms of just that like amount of of impact what is, in your mind, in the way you approach things, what is a good ratio of apparatus-based tumbling, tumble track, rod floor, trampolines versus getting on the floor and throwing the skills on, on spring or even potentially on dead for those uh, college athletes or high school athletes who don't get to compete on spring? I think the ratio is going to be uh, dependent on the athlete. You know, Some will be able to handle higher volumes based off of how strong they are and their... Um, consistency of the skill and their confidence in the skill. Um, I, I first think it has to do with what you're trying to get out of your training session. You know, do I want quality reps out of them? Do I want them to, to have a high number of reps? I'm going to gear my training session to be on a softer surface or at least on a softer landing surface. Um, if they're stronger, they can handle more reps. But again, if I can see that they have the repetition technically sound on a softer surface and you know they're throwing a smaller amount of percentage on the floor but they're hitting a higher number of those reps so let's say they're hitting three out of three i'm going to trust that they can hit a four out of four if they're hitting a high percentage on the tumble track as well so if they're hitting those 10 out of 10s on the tumble track you go to the floor i know that their ratios are going to be right around the same so it's, it's going to be all based on the athlete that's tumbling is something that is not a broad science it's specific towards tailored tailored fit to each individual athlete just like nutrition or you know strength training or you know anything of the sort okay um so as you as you structure your time with an athlete uh how much time do you spend on basics like 
And, and I know we've worked on it a lot at, at various camps and things, you know, uh, lunging angles, um, shaping and all of those like basic skills versus throwing the, the challenging skills, the, the foals, double foals, et cetera. Well, I mean, I, it's, you can take that and it's like anything in life. If you don't have the foundation of something, everything else is a lot harder. If I'm not, you know, the best bowler, if I don't understand how to grip the ball, I don't know how to give it the spin. I don't know, you know, how hard to throw it. Just the basics of bowling. I can't throw the crazy things that they do. Same thing with any other, other sport. If I don't have the basic foundation of the sport, it's a lot harder to advance. Yeah. Um, one of the first things we learn in life is if I, do, if I can't add, it's harder for me to understand how to subtract. It's harder for me to then learn how to multiply and divide. It's same thing. If I, if I don't understand the basics like the back of my hand, if I don't know how to recite it, if I can't coach it back to somebody, I probably don't understand it well enough and I probably can't do it well enough. So you're already starting yourself off at a deficit. You know, if if your knowledge is at 100% and you're only training at 80, you're never going to get to 100. So basics are the foundation, the most important. So you spend your most amount of time there, especially if you're having to go back and fix and then try to reteach and later on learn harder skills. So, Right. How do you, uh, how do you fix the challenge of, well, I need it for the routine. I, uh, uh, Mike Seitzer said it the other day. He was doing one of our tumbling classes at camp, and he goes, right now we're going to be perfecting technique because in three months it's going to be about, did you land it? Okay, good. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you think we as a as an industry, as a profession, start to correct that? Because from my perspective, that's an unhealthy approach for our athletes to say technique matters for three months. And then after that, I'm not going to work on these basics because I need you to land that mm-hmm. tuck or layout or full or whatever it is. Do you have any thoughts or ideas on how we would go about correcting that? Uh, I think being a team coach and uh, seeing score sheets and being an, an, a tumbling coach and realizing the truth behind it. First thing, when you get those, comp- those uh, critiques on score sheets, most of the time you can't fix those. The moment of. Right. So the critiques you're getting on your score sheet throughout the season are actually critiques of your training the last year leading up to that point. And I'm, I'm giving it a year to be nice. It's the last seven years of your tumbling career is based off of what you're getting at competition. Right. Most of the time, you know, there's are your variances of like, Hey, clean up your landings, you know, don't rush your transit, whatever it is. The bulk of those corrections come from your training leading up to that competition. Not really what you did the day of. So I wanted, it's, realizing that you need to be spending more time on the basics in order to get those skills that you want to be hitting and landing. Um, and yes, technique is great, but also if these athletes are unconditioned, no matter what you ask them to do, it's harder for them to deliver. Um, I use conditioning and I explain conditioning kind of differently than other people. People use conditioning in the sense of working out and getting stronger. I try to make people understand conditioning in the sense of the psychological side. So it's asking people to do things at an automatic response. So if they're automatically responding to squeezing the stomach, driving the hips all the time when they compete, I know that that response is going to be automatic. They don't have to think about it. So I know their scores are going to reflect, you know, but if I'm, if I'm having to remind them on the score sheet, chances are they're not replying it the entire year leading up. So it's going back to basics because the basics is what you're getting kind of hit on anyways. And do you use basics to, when you talk about conditioning, do you use basics to condition? Like, is that, is that what you're referencing? Or are you talking about a separate conditioning regime that athletes need to be doing to make sure they can activate those muscles on command? I think it's a little bit of both because, you know, basic conditioning is because you've done those basics so many times, you don't need to think about it. Now you're also staying on top of being conditioned physically so your body can keep that automatic response to the movements because your brain may be able to do it automatically, but your body may not too. So you do need to train both and it needs to be a, uh, an even marriage, but that training should have been done in the basic sense as far as the skills concerned when you're learning it. You know, the conditioning in the sense of the physical should be just a maintenance, not a, I have to make up for, you know, but that's what we're having to deal with in the sport is lack of basics, working backwards and then getting them to move forward at the same time. Right. 
And that's kind of, uh, I, I feel like a lot of ways that's a symptom of uh, the difficulty conundrum. Like everyone's always pushing for getting up to the next level or throwing the most difficult skills. And my perspective is the way the score sheet is leaning is it really comes down to that execution side and difficulty will affect your ability to move up to a higher level team. But um, pushing difficulty all season long is really not necessary if you level your teams correctly. Yeah. Um, do you guys spend a lot of time doing skill development uh, in practices at, at Top Gun? We spend the summer refining basics and trying to get everyone to kind of be on the same page and look and have that, that look the Top Gun way, um, which everyone's kind of leading to their own way. Uh, that's mostly what our summer is spent doing with mid to like, I would say like mid summer to like end of summer, they're joining that choreography, but the kids are still responsible for coming in, staying on top of their skills. Uh, we also don't over expect our kids to do things. So like we are comfortable with what they're bringing to the table comfortably that, that season. Hey, this is what I have to table this season. You know, we do give them room to grow, but right. we also understand that their skills in the summer are just skills in the summer. They're not coupled on top of, you know, the two minutes and 30 seconds of choreography plus throwing the skill back to back. So plus this stunt and that yeah, stunt beforehand. Yeah, yeah. So we have a realistic expectation for our kids and they have a realist, realistic one of themselves as well. We know some tend to want more because they have done more in the past or yeah. feel like they can do more. But once they kind of get their routine, they understand their, their, uh, their balance. Um, that's basic what, what we kind of do okay. as far as the summer is concerned. Uh, our kids are lucky enough to be able to come to the gym and just refine skills and train. And we as a program stay on top of basics a lot, even throughout the season. So we're never really pushing hard skills right. at all. We're kind of just a gradual process from year to year. We try to, don't, we don't really don't worry about skill per season, you know, right. Where tryouts are at is where you land. And throughout the season, you just evolve at your own pace, you know? So they're most confident and comfortable going out uh, their first performance. That makes sense. Absolutely. Um, I think that's uh, something I've seen a lot with gyms that are, you know, okay, we've got six standing back handsprings on our team of 15 and we're a level two. So we need to find four more or five more standing back handsprings. Mm -hmm. um, and then that becomes like the sole focus and they come yeah. in and tumble for an hour and they do back handspring drills for an hour and they don't generally see the results that they're looking for. Yeah. Um, question of one of the, the loaded questions that people have uh, their opinions on um, spot or not. Uh, again, it's situational. Okay. Per every situation, right? Dan? <laughs> per every situation. Inside joke. Um, yeah, but it's situational. You can't, you can't say and be set in one way. There's benefits to both. And I think there needs to be a marriage of both. Mm -hmm. One, to build relationship and trust with the athlete. And two, to have mastery and ownership of the skills. There needs to be a, a balance of both. Yeah. Uh, it also depends on where you are when asked to do what, you know, if I'm going to a camp and I'm asked to be like for some of this, like, Hey, can you, can you spot me? Most of the time I'll be like, have your coach spot you. If I'm home and I know my athletes, that's a different case. Right. You know, cause I also know what's expected of them. A lot of times an athlete is high hoping for a spot for a skill that they're not ready for. Mm -hmm. um, also some of them just need that safety spot. Hey, I'm throwing the skill for yeah, the first exactly. time or what you call like a positional spot or like, Hey, let me feel what they're doing. Uh, so again, benefits both, uh, but there's no one way. So for all of you that think I'm going to say no spot, that's not true. <laughs> so. I'm, I'm a, I refer to it myself as a limited spotter. I'll spot with what I need to kind of the same things you talked about. Yeah. Maybe I need to manipulate them through something that, Hey, this is what you need to be feeling or, um, Definitely kids who have, are struggling with like mental blocks sometimes need a little bit more guidance yeah. and, and that sense of security. But yeah, definitely, I can, I, I think I spot probably five or six foals a year, mm -hmm. maybe. Um, for me personally, at that level, you know, if you're not able to perform it on the tumble track and those other f surfaces by yourself, I'm not going to spot you on the floor. Yeah, and that's definitely something that I think 
every athlete, every coach, every gym owner, parents need to understand is that if an athlete can't throw a skill on the tumble track, 10 out of 10, 20 out of 20, 100 out of 100, and I'm not talking about just in one sitting. This is like years and years of doing this. Um, if they're not if they're not doing that on the easier surfaces, one, they're not getting the confidence and the mastery of the skill. They're also not allowing themselves quality repetitions. You know, you, you don't go into a workout gym and try to bench press, squat, deadlift, the heaviest weight possible. You know, I would challenge every, you know, parent, coach, gym owner to go out there to their fitness gym and pick up the most weight they can. They, they won't be able to. You know, they'll get hurt. They'll be susceptible to injury. You know, they physically won't be able to do it. These athletes are doing the same thing. Right. So they need mastery. They need perfect technique. They need complete awareness. They need no questions asked. We're talking about skills that, you know, from without saying it's life or death, like yeah. they can get hurt from one minute to the next. And it, it's a side of the sport that people don't want to acknowledge because it's the occasional broken ankle, the occasional torn ACL. Oh my God. At worst, you have like the fractured back and the broken backs and things like that. But there's a lot worse things that can happen to these athletes if they're not complete and utterly focused at what they're doing, completely attentive. They have the air awareness. They have the knowledge, the confidence. They have complete mastery of the skills on the easy surfaces, on the hard surfaces, everywhere. You know, it's coming from firsthand experience of being hurt. It's not something you want to play with. And, and uh, I think that's a side that coaches don't really understand. And I think kids don't understand it. Athletes, parents, coaches, it's just not something that they really get into. It either happens to them or happens to an athlete of theirs. Right. So if they can... If and they li- can we're talking life-altering injuries, some of these things. I blew my knee out, and that was honestly life-changing. And people don't think, oh, how could a knee injury? It's, it was life-changing. Again, that was my situation. It changed my life, but it also made me a better coach. It was the reason why I am the coach I am today. It was the path that I was put on, and it's it's something that happens to me for a reason. So use it, use things like that to make you understand, hey, we got to get these kids to know exactly where they're at. Yeah. Gotta, we got to get them to be safe. We got to get them to find ways to be comfortable, confident, and with no question, you know. That makes, I mean, Absolutely makes a lot of sense. And I, I mean, having seen my share of injuries, I 100% agree. Um, and it's inevitable, right? You're, I mean, you're gonna, injuries happen in sports, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, that's on us as coaches to mitigate those risks for our kids. Um, so Miami, Yep. how long are you going to live there? (laughs) It's a hard question to answer. I don't know. I've, I've, You're a nomad at heart, right? Yeah, I am. I, I like traveling. I like you know teaching kids you know everywhere. I love coming to camp every year. It's my fourth year at camp, and I say I'll come back every year. You know, um, I, I love coaching kids in other places. I love coaching you know other coaches and and opening them up to the things I've learned. Other countries I've had the opportunity to go to. I've got to go to London. I've got to go to um, Australia. I know London's not a country; it's a city. Just using that as my segue into this, people. Um, <laughs> Australia, Canada, I've gotten to go to a lot of places, a lot of states in the U.S., um, but there's no place like home, you know? And the gym is not something where I work. It's a place that I kind of grew up in, right. and it's uh, it's a it's something that's we've built together. You know, it's owned by a family, yes, but most of our staff has been there for, you know, 15, 20 years. So, like, we've all grown up together. We've put our time in hearts and blood, sweat, tears into it. I don't know how long I live in Miami. It may be always home base. It may not. I don't know. There's other places I want to be, but right now, Miami's where it's at. I've always been so impressed with uh, with the staff at Top Gun and how long so many of them have been there. Um, what's the secret? Like, what? How do they inspire such loyalty? I, and I'm sure it's deserved. But like, what is it about Top Gun that makes Top Gun so special that people are still 38, 40 years old and they want to coach there? It's, um, it's the old saying, you treat people well enough or you train them well enough that they can leave and do things on their own, but you treat them well enough that they don't want to leave. If that makes sense. Yeah. So we're, we're given up the opportunities to learn. We're given all the opportunities to grow. But we're also treated so well that we understand that the grass isn't always greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. I'm just full of these little like sayings. <laughs> right but it really is the best way to describe it. Yeah. Uh, we just 
we have it starts from the top down. We have a good group of you know owners that run each location. You know, it's, it's trained by the best. It's ran like family, and they're really. It's really not just something that's said like every other gym. We really are family. You know, for instance, my sister-in-law works at front desk. My mom helps run the main office. My sister just transitioned from team coach to administrative staff. My niece is there. My brother cheered. I'm there. My stepsister danced. So like, your whole family. Yeah, it's all family. We're we're there. You know, we're there. So I think that's the secret. You know, we're just we just we put the gym first, and we put making it a place where everyone can feel what we felt. You know, yeah. a place to be accepted, a place to be able to work hard, a place that. No one's going to judge you. No one cares what skill level you're at. They just want you to come in, be a better athlete than you walked in, but be an even better person than you walked in when you leave us. That's kind of our goal. We don't try to build good cheerleaders. We try to build good people. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I say the same thing a lot, and I, I hear people say the same thing. Um, sometimes I don't always don't always feel like I see them doing that, but I'm sure there, there's some intention or, or desire to do that. Yeah. Um, but I've always been impressed with Top Gun. I think that they do, they do that. And obviously, cause I'm going to talk to other people and you know, when we do our staff announcements, I'm like, and from Miami, Florida, from Orlando, Florida, <laughs> from Miami, from Orlando, um, you know, a lot, I work with a lot of Top Gun staff, um, which is actually thanks to you introducing me to a lot of them. And just randomly that Jose, saw a post I put on ASGA, which I don't get on a whole lot, but this was many years ago saying I needed some staff and he messaged me and that's when he got me your number and it's like all the storybooks now, but yeah. Yeah. And this place, you know, made me, uh, meet some of my greatest friends and it's where dreams come true. It, dream camps. Yeah. It is where dreams, dreams come true. true. <laughs> it is where dreams come true. Um, and nothing like being out in the Oregon woods. Yeah, you can't beat the scenery. Right? It's beautiful. Can't beat the scenery. You can't beat the facility. Great staff. I mean, it's some of the top staff that you can get anyway. in in cheerleading right now. You know, from all different walks of cheerleading. You have collegiate staff. You have you know staff that's done high school, all star, a little bit of everything. You know, you have old school, new school. It really is a, a great group of people. Yeah. You know, great group of people. And I mean, can't, come on, come on, guys. <laughs> Dan the man. Um, I just always love, I love uh, the knowledge that just gets dropped here. Like, it's just crazy to me. Every year we're here and there's so many different people talking and coaching. They're like, oh my, that's genius. Like, why am I not doing this? Um, I feel like I am so lucky to get to learn from all the people that come out here. Um, so what's been your favorite uh Favorite country so far? Not the States, because as I told Callie, I'm a red-blooded American, so I'm just going to assume that the States are your favorite. Um, so your favorite country to travel to? Oh, that's tough. Uh, probably one of my favorite countries was probably Australia. I had a really good time. It, again, it's also the people that you go with, you know, I had a great time with the people right. that I got to work with. I was able to do a conference out there with um, a really good group of people that treated us really well. Uh, and just the people were super nice and super hungry for knowledge. And, you know, they every year they come out, you know, hungrier and better and, yeah. you know, more knowledgeable. And it's just uh, they, they soak up the information and they put the work in but they also know how to have a good time and they also know how to how to how to take the sport as a sport and and try to get better at it and try to progress and just still not get overworked and, and feel you know too stressed out about it. it it's always a positive aura of people and group of people athletes work super hard always super nice uh so yeah i think australia has been one of my favorite countries you know yes. to go to definitely. i'm jealous definitely yeah man you gotta go out there there. I think I've sent you to more countries than I've been to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I tried to get a loaded question out of you and I didn't. So I'm going to, I'm going to keep trying cause I got to get something. Yeah, juicy. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Go for it. If you were to snap you, you could snap your fingers today. Magic genie, your, your Will Smith from the new Aladdin. You're okay, on your last wish, Right. And what would you, if you could fix one thing immediately change about our industry? That's a 
loaded question. I, I had to come up with one. Um, I think it's for people to realize what we're actually doing here as far as training kids. And I want people to realize that they need to put in the time if they want to get the outcome that they think they deserve. You know, I think not our industry, it's not a, it's not an industry problem. I think this is just a natural problem. We all want to get things quickly. It's not not an industry problem. I think everybody in the industry can agree with that. Um, I think they, I want everybody, if I can snap my fingers, everyone to realize, okay, I need to put in the work every day. I need to, I need to be consistent. I think that's the biggest thing. I like being consistent as a human being. I try to be consistent, whether it's consistently a clown, whether it's, you know, consistently, you know, diligent, but still being able to have a good time. Like I, I, I'm consistently me is what I like to say. That's fair. I want people to be consistent when it comes to the athletic side of the sport. Not that they're not. It's gotten better every year. Every year gets better. People get um, better technique. They spend more time in the gym. Kids come out stronger. Athletes come out better. Uh, but I still think that we lack in the athletic side of the sport in the world of knowledge. Yeah. You know? I think there's sometimes where that immediate gratification becomes... Like that we struggle with as a society just in general becomes a real challenge for us as a, as a whole, you know, where we we just don't want to do, we don't want to grind, you know, we just want to get there. We just want to, I just want to win worlds. I just want to win summit. I just want to win NCA. And we don't think about the grind that goes into it. Even for, I think there's a, a misconception at large programs that it's like, oh, it's just so easy. Right. And while you may have more athletes to choose from, that doesn't mean you guys train any less intensely. Yeah, people don't realize that. Uh, you may have been in the sport for a year, two or three years, so it's a lot of people, I think, have the misconception of it's that easy. It's not. It takes you know 25 years to get towards that, 30 years, 40 years. Think of any business. You know, Papa John's didn't pop up overnight. You right. know, KFC didn't pop up overnight. Ford you know, it's it's a process. It takes a long time. It, it it's not something that happens overnight. Just because our view in the sport, or your time in the sport, or your time in that aspect of the sport, because there are a lot of aspects of the sport, um, doesn't mean it, it was easy to come by. Right. It requires grind. It requires work. That's why I like tumbling because it's it, there's no shortcut. Right. To get good at it, you have to just be strong. You got to be strong, and you got to be committed. And that's what drove me to being that part. It just takes time. That seems to be a trend. I, try, I like things that take time. You know, been with the gym for a long time. Been with Tommy a long time. So I just, the long hair, consistent. <laughs> Beard, just takes a long yeah, time. Yeah, we're, we're the polar opposites. You got all the hair and I got none. Uh, what's your, been your favorite memory as a coach? Favorite experience? If you could pick one. That's a lot. Uh... You know, I, I think it's whenever you have athletes that kind of text you saying, hey, you know, I got through a tough, you know, a tough challenge that I went through. Uh, hey, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I'm at. You know, those things are always super rewarding. Uh, wins are great because you see your kids light up. I think more so it's kind of seeing where the kids have gotten to after they've left you for three, four years. Right. You know, we have, we have the beauty of technology, social media, that the kids can like post, you know, their college graduation picture i'm at the age now where some of my kids are like getting engaged and getting married and you know one of them or two of them are having babies so like you you notice it's like man it transcends it like i was a blink in their life like i was only a year there two years three years five years whatever i was a part of their life but i was there and now they're not there they're doing something else so you somewhat had to affect them somehow yeah you know it's it's just knowing that you played a role somehow some way in someone's life. I think it's always super rewarding. Um, and I, I think also the, the opportunity to get to work with so many people, you know, if, just thinking where at least I started in the sport to where I've had the, the pleasure and the opportunity and the grace to be able to work to where I'm at now, work with so many different people. So I think that's also something that's super memorable and something I'll take to when I'm an old man with long white hair and long white beard. <laughs> So you'll be Santa Claus? Santa Claus. Um, yeah, I, I've, 
And you've won Worlds how many times? Uh, I've had the opportunity to win it uh, tw- four times as an athlete and twice as a coach. So about six times. You know. Great, I, great experience. I, it was fun. You know, it was good. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just point that out because I always think it's interesting, especially hearing from you. You know, you never really talk about your world's wins or anything like that, even though it's, it's very impressive what you've accomplished. And yet you're so grounded and you, when you pick memories, it's about, you know, the kids texting you and telling you that you helped them with their life. And I just think that's such a, a, a great and unique thing to see in coaches in general. Um, and I, I, I just agree with that a lot. You know, I've, it's always weird too. You'll get that message from a kid that you barely even felt that connected with. And they're like, Hey, I just want you to know that you saying this thing and asking me how I was doing, I was really in a bad place. And that you checking in made all the difference. Definitely. And you're like, well, I had no idea. I think what it is, 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 uh, it's realizing that like, it's great in the moment and it's, it's, it's a great resume piece. I mean, you know, it's, sure. it's, it's great. It's awesome. I mean, it's nothing that is not good. You know, it's not like you win. It's like, Oh, everything goes downhill. <laughs> I mean, some people may, it, it's the, it's the fact that winning is just a combination of the hard work you put in. So like, if right. you're not, if you're not really taking the day in and day out, it doesn't matter. And you can be working day in and day out and not when I've been there too. I've, I've done that more times and I've won. You know, it's just how the luck of the draw. It's harder to stay on top than it is, you know, to get there. I think it's it remembering that the day in and day out is kind of what's really important because that one day is so fast. And if you're not doing everything leading up to that point, it doesn't matter. You know, I think stop worrying about the big things. Start worrying about the little things that get you there because right. that's really ultimately what gets you your ultimate goal. Like, it's great to have, okay, is where I want to get there, but you have to work backwards. How are you going to get there? You know, okay, winning Worlds is this, or winning Summit, NCAA, U.S. Finals, whatever the competition is, whatever goal you may have, whether it's a skill, you know, it can be something in school, a test, whatever it is. Okay, this is what I want. Now work backwards. I need to do this. Right now I need to do this. Now I need to do this. Before you notice it, it works all the way so far back until it, your list looks uneven, unrecognizable. It's like starting off with, brushing my teeth. It's like, how did I work all the way back from, you know, winning worlds to brushing my teeth that day? Well, that will lead up to your next goal, which will lead up to your next goal, you know, which will lead up to every goal you do that day, which just goes on over and over again. You know, there's, there's, there's a famous speech of a, of a Navy SEAL captain at a, I think it's at a graduation or a com- commencement yeah. ceremony. I think, I don't know if you've seen yeah, it before. And he talks about how like, no matter what you do in your day, start with making your bed yep. because no matter what, no matter how bad the day goes, you finished one goal. And that one goal was to make your bed in the morning. And you can always come back to a made bed. So even if you don't reach that last ultimate goal at the end of the day, you can look back and kind of see your list. And, mm-hmm. okay, I did all these things. All right, that one thing really didn't matter, you know? So I beat myself up more for dropping a stunt and having a bad performance than I did not winning a championship. I mean, it... Right. Cause it's like, man, I could have prepared a little bit harder. I could have put a little bit more reps. You know, my team was counting on me. I could have been a little bit more dialed in. So yeah, that's the only thing that I think is a, a double-edged sword of these end-of-season events, like Worlds, like Summit, is they're really cool. And having been and taken teams, like a lot of value to it. But uh, I also see that double-edged sword of like a team doesn't win, and they look at their their season or their year like it was a failure, and I mean, I think we both agree that that doesn't mean your year was a failure at all. Yeah. You know, it's luck of the draw. It's a judge sport, so you never really know mm-hmm. based on any given day. And you could have had an amazing season and, and accomplished 99.9% of your goals. And yet you still hear these kids and see these people kind of parents and kids go, oh, well, we didn't. We didn't win summer. Yeah. We didn't win Worlds. It was we were a failure. I, I think it's it goes back to what did you do leading up? Was that your only goal? Yeah. You know, are you are you resting your season on one uh, event, or are you basing it off the goals that you set in your season? If you didn't set goals and you were just aiming for that one, I mean, it's great. It's not it's nothing wrong with that, but you're setting yourself a failure because that's almost always a losing battle. And just because you win 
doesn't mean you're going to have the... Of course, you got a random yeah, right. camper, Karis. Oh, yeah. You uh, saw that, didn't you? If that's even on. I think it may have turned off, actually, when we were uh, talking. Yeah, um, I, think, I think that's what it was, you know. I think that's what it is. It's just not setting those goals every day. You're not doing it, you know, diligently and getting up, having an excuse, going to the gym, going back, doing it the next day, you know. 100%. <laughs> I don't. I oftentimes don't have things to say after you've gotten done speaking because you've just literally said everything, <laughs> and I agree with all of it. I'm just sitting here going. I'm Jesus. usually not this reserved. I'm usually a wild. I'm like all over I, the place. I'm actually kind of impressed how <laughs> like uh, calm and reserved you've been. Yeah, and usually it's a lot harder to get my attention and focus. But you know, give me a task and I'll do it. Give me a task. So. Obviously, you coach at Top Gun. Yeah. Uh, you work with us, and we're very fortunate to have you at Dream Camps. But you do um, go out and work with other other companies and yep. also go out as an individual and do tumbling clinics and things like that, correct? Yes, sir. And so how would, aside from, you can always contact Dream Camps, but how would someone get in touch with you if they want to try and uh, try and set up uh, a tumbling clinic or a coach's clinic? Um, I think that's something we haven't talked about, but you do some really amazing coaches training. Um, how would people potentially get in touch with you if they wanted to reach out? Uh, you can email me at Sean at Top Gun Cheer and Dance dot com. You spell out everything as is. So one more time, it's Sean at Top Gun Cheer and Dance dot com. That's S E A N, by the way. Um, they can also get me on Instagram. It's Top Gun underscore Tumbling underscore Coach. Uh, you can also visit the gym website and just, you know, go to the contact info on the gym website. It's the it's Top Gun All Stars Cheer and email the gym or call the gym and just ask for my information and they give it to you. I'm sure you can email Dan. I'm sure he won't mind Absolutely. sharing all my info. Uh, yeah, I do coaches clinics. I'll do, uh, you know, tumbling clinics. I'll do basket clinics. Those are the two primarily the things I do and I'll do dismounts. So if you're asking for anything else, any of those three, I got you. Yeah. And if you don't ask for Sean Guzman, or however you say it correctly. Yeah, I'll take uh, it. <laughs> take it. Um, yeah, I think that that was also something we never really talked about, but you have the most impressive set of basket drills I've ever seen. And we've totally plagiarized all of them in our program and, and utilized them. Um and that's kind of a Top Gun process of drills, correct? Yeah, we. Uh, I, I can't take credit for any of those. I think I came up, helped come up with one of them. They're mostly just what we've been kind of coming up with for the last 20, I don't know, how long has basket been around? 23, you know, 22 years, something like that. I don't know. You guys maybe have a little more than most of them. Maybe a little less than that. Yeah, we, we just, it's, it's kind of like, you know, over 20 years of just figuring out what's worked, what... You know what each individual kid needs. Some kids need certain drills. Some kids don't. So we've kind of have like a plethora of them. Um, and yeah, between just all the years of figuring it out, playing around in the gym, uh, Jordan Hearn, one of our coaches, uh, Matt Sonatis, one of our, our coaches, they all kind of help come up with it. Um, they're kind of like the two basketers in our gym. They're the ones that really help do a lot of our baskets right. as far as training them. And then, I mean, you can't. You can't knock Victor coaching it or Kristen coaching it. You know, like they're kind of the two that came up with the right. kick full and the kick double. So, you know, we, we just kind of use what we do at our own basket camps and clinics. It's no secret. You know, we, we want everyone to be able to do it and do it right and safely. So we, you know, try to do them as exact and try to get everyone to understand that just like you have drills for tumbling and drills for stunts, baskets need drills too. Yeah. They need a, they need progressions. So I've always found it so impressive how, um, how coaches I've met from your program have it as just an open book. You know, it's not like, Oh, well, these are guarded secrets. This is, you know, you can't have this. This is copyrighted. Uh, <laughs> well, patented or whatever. I think, I think it has to do with, it, it, it's not always about the information. It's about the way the information is given. Right. So you can have all the information you want, you know, you can be an encyclopedia, but if you can't reverberate it back, in the same way or along the same lines or deliver in a way that an athlete can understand it. I say a kindergarten, like if you can, if you can explain how to do it to a kindergartner, 
relatively, you know, right. speaking, then you probably can't, don't know it well enough. So uh, it's getting the information, but not just getting it. It's breaking it down yourself, really trying to understand it so you can teach it to someone else, you know, so we'll give it away. You know, it's take it. It's there. It's an open book. We're, we're, what we're trying to do is what we didn't have. It was hard for us to find, you know, things. So we right. used sources from, you know, Cirque du Soleil, Acro. When it came to tumbling, we used like, you know, drills or tips from like aerial skiers, power tumbling. So you got to take certain aspects of a bunch of different facets and put it into use. So, yeah. and if we can put it out there, there's a lot easier for everyone to figure it out and be more accessible and do it safely. Safer builds the industry. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's an investment definitely. in the industry. Definitely. Right? You know, um, Awesome. Well, I, I'm sure I'm going to listen to this. We've talked for like a good hour plus. Sweet. Um, and I'm going to realize I should have asked you 17 different <laughs> follow-up questions. Well, sure um, way, man. Sure hopefully way, we'll weird. get to sit down again uh, sometime in the, in the next year. Uh, you know, it's, I, I can't recommend you enough for people looking for, for someone to work with. Uh, you know, it's just been, it's such a pleasure to work with someone who has so much knowledge, but is so grounded. And uh, I mean, it just, it, it's impressive every year to have you out here and all our kids love you and ask for you back every single year. Oh, I'll uh, keep coming back. I, I've told you every year. Again. I've told you every year since the first day, you know, I did camp, you know, back four years ago, I'll come back every year you want me to, you know, I love it. If well, I have the time, I'll do it. You know it. And that's not, another I'll make thing. the time. I'll make I the meant time. to say, it's so impressive that you guys get as much, ability to travel and do the things that you do, uh, while still working essentially full time at a gym. That's, that is impressive. It's another thing you treat, treat people right, right. treat people right. You know, they, they allow us to do that because we, we put so much time into the gym when we're there and also through, you know, the years, but it's mostly because our coaches do put the gym first, you know, the people that stick around and the people that are still there, it's because, you know, they, they put the gym first, you know, no, well, not much more I can say. I'm grateful for it. I think it's <laughs> awesome. Um, any other parting words of wisdom? You have currently me, but hopefully this, this will be on the <laughs> internet. You will have the whole world at your fingertips. Any parting words of wisdom for these coaches, gym owners, people that might be listening to us? Just chat the night away. Stay consistent. Okay. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen over the course of a week, a month. It's going to be a process, but if you stay consistent, it'll be there. You know, you have to just put your head down and work. And one day you'll be able to look back and see where you started and where you came from and where you're at now. And you'll be able to be proud of yourself. And what I said about crushing goals and setting goals, you know, little goals each time and keep moving forward. You know, it's, it's really about it. That's kind of what what it's about. All right. Well, with that, this is uh, Dan Cotton, Sean Guzman. Guzman. Yeah. Guzman. Sean Guzman. Uh, Guzman. Signing off uh, from Dream Camps here in Oregon. Uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll hopefully get to chat with you guys again soon. All right, man. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Dream Camps or any of our guests, contact us at info at OregonDreamCamps.com. 